Second Chronicles, a bit of an obscure passage. You may not have heard this one before. We're going to dive into it today. It's about King Josiah, and it says Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Anybody in here eight years old? No, you act like it, but no, they're all in there. King, kid king, the child king. When he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and, and followed the example of his ancestor, David, one of Israel's and, and Judah's few good kings. He did not turn away from doing what was right. Now, during the eighth year of his reign, now I know we might all be good at math, but now he's 16 years old. Anyone in here? 16 years old. All right, we got at least one. We got a 16-year-old. 16, 16 we got a 16-year-old king running the, running the deal. And he says, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the Lord, seek the God of his ancestor David. That's when he started to take his faith serious at age 16. Now, in the 12th year, now he's 20. Anybody in here 20? Do we have any 20-somethings in the room? Yeah, we got a few. We got a few, all right? King at 20 of a nation... And now he starts to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines and the Asherah poles, the carved idols and cast images. He ordered that the altars of Baal or Baal be demolished and, and the incense altars which stood above them be broken down. So he's making radical changes within his area of influence, the nation that he's over. He also made sure that the Asherah poles, the carved idols and the cast uh, images were smashed and scattered over the graves of those who are sacrificing. He is tearing down idol after idol after idol after idol um, in that nation. We're going after idols today. Now, he burned down bones of pagan priests uh, on their own altars, so he purified Judah and Jerusalem. He did this in the same thing in other towns, Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, as far as uh, Naphtali, and in the regions around them. He destroyed the pagan altars, the Asher poles. He got rid of them all. All right, and he finally returned to Jerusalem in the 18th year. He's 26. He's 26 of his reign. After he's purified the land and the temple, Josiah appointed uh, Shaphan, uh, son of Aziliah, Masiah, the governor of Judah, Jerusalem, and Joah, son of Joaz. Pastor tip, preacher tip. If you don't know the words, just say it fast and with confidence, and you just breeze right through it, all right? I don't know him just as much as you don't know him, all right? The royal historian to repair the temple of the Lord. We're going to stop right there. We'll go through the chapter. But basically, he says, hey, we've, I'm seeking out the Lord. We got to make some changes. We're going to change the land. But our, our, our building, our church, the temple, we got, we got to take this and take care of our home, too, because we got to get this going. So he's going to go in that direction. What I love is, who are these people that I can't even pronounce their names? There's names. God knows names. He sees you. He sees them. And they're working in the church. So here's what I'm going to do before you take a seat. Say hello to two or three or four people. Welcome them. Let them know how, how, how glad you are that they came. If you don't know them, introduce your name. Let them know your name. All right. So just say hello to three or four or five people this morning. We are in a series called Love Los Alamos. We always start the year off with just a little bit about who we are as a church. What are we going to be about? It's also a little bit just as a pastor, sometimes there's a little bit of in there of what I see God, just words he's speaking to us as a church and, and a little bit of direction and insight of maybe some emphasis with, within this year. And so if you're brand new with us today, it's a great time to check it out because you get a little bit of taste today about who we are. 
Seth talked about in week one how, how Jesus started this thing called the church. In the Greek, it was called the ecclesia. And it was this gathering of, of people. And so while we came to church today, very much you and I, we collectively are the church. I, by myself, am not the church. It is when we are together and working and united, that's when we, we are the ecclesia. We are the church. Last week, uh, I, I shared a little bit about how this church is going to be a messy church. Freedom Church, we have seen God growing. We are reaching new people. We hit numbers, as far as attendance numbers, um, more than we've ever seen. And attendance doesn't necessarily mean health, but you're just watching what God is doing. And if we're reaching people, if we're reaching the lost, and I just know myself, it doesn't even have to be the lost. You just deal with me as a human. I'm a mess. And so... The more people we reach, it's just, I want you to know, we're going to be, we're going to be a little bit rough sometimes. We're going to work through things um, as well. Well, if we're going to love Los Alamos, I still am, I'm, I'm going to set some parameters on some things that we value, things that are going to be absolutely important and vital for us to reach our town. Now, if you look at the stats, just kind of in America, it doesn't take too much rocket science to see the church uh, in general, the church at large is is on a we're we're not on an upward trend of growing. Like in some ways, freedom is kind of bucking that trend. We're seeing growth, but most attendance numbers across the board are going down. I got a little graph here just to show you. This is one example. This is it's too hard for you to see, but it's like has six of the top mainline uh, denominations and membership. And you can see uh, back in the 80s, late 70s. They were up to 23 million in memberships of these top, and it's pretty much across the board on all mainline denominations. And then there's obviously a decline, but it is even steeper as we head into 2020 even more. Now, that can, uh, I want to I do a, another thing because that could be depressing, like, oh my gosh, everybody's leaving church or whatever, what do we do? And I, and I can let that depress me all day. But there's more stats that say, there's another one that says uh, Pew Research Center just recently said that they did a survey with people. 81% say that there is something beyond the natural world, even if we cannot see it. What we, have, what we see, when, when at least statistically, most people, even though if they're not coming to church, most people are open spiritually. To me, this is why Freedom Church, any church, I believe, has more hope than we've ever had before. You can look at the stats and be like, oh my gosh, people are leaving church, what do we do? I look at it and say, we have more opportunity than we've ever had before to be a light and a hope in, a, in, a, in an area, in a region that needs light and hope that's very dark. So I get excited about this. To me, it's more like, Let, let's go. This is, the, this is the mission. And those people who we're trying to reach aren't as resistant as we think they are. They're spiritually open, maybe not to Jesus, to something, but that's a start. That is a start. So as we go through this, I just I, I, I want us to say, hey, the church is plan A. You and I are the church. We are to go into this lost world and go be a light and hope and share the love of Jesus. And there are more people to reach, and they are more open than they've ever been before. All right? So as we go through this, how are we going to do this? Well, Josiah is going to give us a little bit of an example of one area where we can do better at loving Los Alamos. Josiah, he was eight years old when he became king. That means his dad got murdered, all right? 
His dad got murdered at age eight. Wicked king. He got assassinated, and boom, Josiah's on the spot. Um, in Israel and Judah's history, uh, this is a time when uh, they are on the decline. They're a few generations away from where Babylon just comes and wipes them out and takes them into captivity. The, the Israel had already gone into civil war and split into two kingdoms. So you had Israel, the northern kingdom. You had Judah on the south. The northern kingdom, Israel, already had been raided by Assyria. And so you just had Judah kind of hanging on by a thread here. And Josiah's in, in, this, in this reign. Just a little bit of history in there. Now, at age 16, Josiah, the teenager, the teenage king of a nation, says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm making a decision. I'm going to start serving the Lord. And you know, for a lot of us in our teenage years, a lot of us gave our life to the Lord in those times too. So this is a significant moment. He starts seeking the Lord. And then at 20, he starts purifying the nation. At 26, he comes back home and he says, we got to work on God's house, this temple that has just been totally desecrated. And the rest of that chapter kind of looks at a scene when he's 26 years old. I want to take a look at it. It says in verse 14, while they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, so he gave them money, he set up workers, let's go clean this thing up, let's, let's rebuild and repair and remodel the temple. Hilkiah uh, the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. And Hilkiah said to Saphon, the court secretary, secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. So this is how bad things have gotten. Not only had they set up idol worship in the temple to worship all these other gods in there, they, they had scripture, the Old Testament back then, and they completely lost it for generations. This would be a church that's going to preach Jesus, but we don't have our Bible, and we lost it. We don't even know where it's at. I don't even know. That's how far they had fallen in their faith journey about following God. They found it. He's like, oh, my gosh, we haven't, we've, we've been cleaning. We've been, I don't know if they found it buried in a wall or in storage that they haven't gone to or whatever, but there it is. He breaks it out. He knows it's God's word. And it says in verse 19 that they go and they, they take it to the king. They take it to him and they read it to him. And it says, when the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. He, he was pretty emotional, pretty upset. All right, I'm not going to go ripping my clothes today or anything like that. But you know he was taking it very seriously. Then he gave the orders to Elkiah, um, Ahikam, son of Saphon. There we go again. Akbor, Saphon, all these guys. He says, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for all the remnant of Israel and Judah. You see this, how he has this responsibility, not just for himself, but for the nation, the people he oversees, his area of influence. Inquire about the words written in the scroll that have been found for the Lord's great anger has been poured out on us because the ancestors have not obeyed the word of the Lord. We have not done been doing everything that the scroll says we must do. Well, yes, if the, if the Bible's been uh, out of your life for years and decades and generations, how are you going to even know what's in it? 
the scholars say he probably, while they probably found all five books of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, that's probably what they found here, all right? Uh, they probably read to him just Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy would have said, hey, here's how you need to live. Here's, here's the rules. Here's the structure. Here's the stuff that I've at. If you're going to run as a nation, this is what I'm asking you to do. And he noticed we haven't been doing any of that. Also in Deuteronomy, if you read in there, it gives the warnings that, and also the blessings. If you do these things, here's the blessings. But if you don't, he puts it on you. He puts it on them. You're going to go do your own thing? You're going to live without me? Here's what's going to happen. And he starts to probably freak out because he basically says, other nations are going to take over. You're going to be done. Someone else is coming. And already Israel's gone to Assyria, and it's not too far. uh, And again, it's not going to be in Josiah's time, but it's on the brain that we might be next. And so he's freaking out because he reads this for the first time. We haven't been following God. We haven't been getting into his word. It's been an afterthought. We're worshiping all these other gods. And he clearly lined up in his word what's going to take place if we go that route. And we've chosen it. And now we're not in good shape. So he freaks out. Now, What's interesting is, if you go to read on, they go to a a prophetess, all right, a a woman prophet. So go to all those who are are, are about male leadership and different, a a woman prophetess comes and brings them a word from God. I just sneaked that in there. It's pretty unique to see, and I love it. I want to share that with you. But at the same time, she goes in, and she lets the king know this is what's going to happen. She says, You were sorry and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against the city and its people. You humbled yourself and tore your clothes in despairs and wept before me. Oh, 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 say these next two words with me. You wept before me in repentance, okay? That's huge. He didn't just hear this stuff and feel bad and feel scared. Repentance. Like there's, we, I am a dramatic change. Something's got to change. He's already brought reform to the land. But he realizes, even though I've been doing these things and I've been seeking God, I haven't been following him the way I should. And he repents. Oh, a heart of repentance. He says, and I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. So I will not send the promised disaster. Okay, Deuteronomy. I, have not sent, I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and have been buried in peace. You yourself will not see the disaster I'm going to bring on this city and its people. So God says, hey, listen, you guys have chosen this path. The consequence, he, I'm, I'm sticking to my promise. This is what I said was going to happen. You chose this, it's going. But it's not going to happen during your time, Josiah. What I find is interesting is they... He gets God's word, and his reaction is genuine and legit. And God sees it, and God hears that. And my, part of my, my challenge to you today, I'm going to step on some toes today, but this is also coming right back at me because we all have areas to grow in this. I'm going to challenge you and hopefully give you some hope. How people respond to God's word is a good indication of their spiritual appetite and the strength of their desire to please please the Lord. I'll say that again. How people respond to God's word 
And we see Josiah with a genuine, it broke his heart to see when he was messing up. He tore his clothes, was in despair, was weeping. And, okay, I know people who, if I show a picture of a cat up here, would probably start crying, all right? So just because someone shows emotion doesn't mean it's genuine. But you understand his heart. God's after your heart. How does your heart respond? How people respond to God's word is a good indication of their spiritual appetite. If you could eat anything for lunch today, I'm going to just change the topic here. If you could eat anything for lunch today, all right, I know some of you guys are starting to get hungry. What would you eat? This is an all-skate. You can just shout it out. Anything's on the menu. What's it going to be? What are you hungry for? If you could eat anything for lunch today, just shout it out. Chick-fil-A. It's not open. Illegal. Huh? What'd you say? Steak and lobster. All right, what else? Carne asada, Chick-fil-A is open. I'll give it to you today, all right? All right, it's good. All right, anybody else? Carne asada, what? Anything smothered in Christmas, okay? I like that. Anything else? Chocolate cake, all right, I love it. I'm going pizza, nine times out of ten, all right? Um, I highly doubt, I didn't hear it, I didn't expect it, uh, Jen online commented earlier that she wanted some spaghetti or some pasta or something like that. All right, so now I'm starting to get your your taste buds uh, are starting to get hungry. So you like finish this sermon so I can go and eat. Nobody's yelling. I want broccoli. Give me some cabbage. More cabbage. Spinach. Load up. I want the kale. The kale. You know. Nobody's saying that. What are you hungry for? What is your, what is your, beyond food, what is your life hungry for? What are you craving for? I know we're in church, and I know we all know how to give the church answer, but really, what is your heart craving for? A Chiefs victory, victory today. That's what I'm really craving, all right, if I'm being honest. I want the football win. Man, we, we can go our whole life chasing, lusting after success, status, followers. You'll have a whole group of people say, do what your heart feels and, and just follow your heart. And if that feels right, if it feels good, just do those things. And God's word is an afterthought. God's word is if I have time. God's word is tomorrow I will get to that and you'll chase for an entire lifetime. Too many people have wound up in the place of regret because they haven't had a healthy diet. We've been feasting, not to knock any of your stuff because I'll eat all that stuff. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of a fast right now, but I, and when that fast ends, oh, you know, I'm going to eat the pizza, I'm going to eat the ice cream, I'm going to eat all the stuff. But if we neglect our health, if we neglect our diet, and I'm just in the physical sense, it's your, your family is going to wish that you had had better habits. Your family is going to look at you and say, hey, I wish you had taken better care of yourself nutritionally. I'm going to say, um, spiritually speaking, 
your family, the people, this is why this is so important. Why I'm going to challenge you to get in your word in 2024. If we're going to love Los Alamos, get in and know who God is. The people who love you the most do not want to see you end in the destination called regret. God has mapped out his love letter for you, and he says, hey, I don't, may not tell you which job to work or which house to buy or which city to live in and all the do, 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 but I'll tell you who to be all day long. And you will not, it'll be hard, it won't be easy, but you will end in a place called hope. You will end in a place called peace. You will end in a place called joy. You will end in a place called purpose. And that's what God has for your life. And I don't want us, as we met in 2024, trying to love Los Alamos, coming here thinking, I got it all done, and we put this thing over to the side for years, for generations. And I know I'm like, I just threw a Bible, and I can't believe I did that. Lightning today is probably going to come. I will repent of that one later. This is what the nation had done. Josiah says, not with me. And, and, and for, I keep saying my area of influence because none of us, we're not going to be president. We're not going to be running stuff. But you, you have a kingdom in your house. You have a kingdom at work. You have, a, you have fields to work, places where you have influence, things online. And this has got to be central to what we're going to do if we're going to love Los Alamos. That was my introduction, by the way. The word, the word that God has just been placing on my heart. Last week we said transition, transition. So we are in a, in a state of transition. But today's word that God's been placing on my heart for Freedom Church is hungry. Hungry. What are you hungry for? What, do, what have you been thirsting for, in a sense? If we're going to love Los Alamos, we've got to be hungry for God's word. And another way to put it is, what's the authority in your life? What is it that is, that is driving the ship? And we... If we're honest, it, it, it goes back and forth. It's like a roller coaster because there's times when I'm like, you know what, following God's word. And I'm going to do that, and I do it for 21 days, and then we hit February, I'm like, ah. You know who is Lord today? Me, myself, and I. Because I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, where I want to do it, how I want to do it. I want nobody telling me what to do. It's been a bad day. I deserve a break, and I'm going to do what I want. And then we end up in that place called regret. Some of us, it, it, it's not just me, myself, and I. We just go off our feelings. If it feels good, do it. Well, my wife, she's acting like that, so I'm going to go do this. My kids are acting this way, so I'm going to act this way. We just go based off of feeling. We're all re- reactive. We're just reacting, 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 reacting based off feelings. They cut me off. I'm peeling them, telling them to peel the banana when they drive past me or whatever. I'm just going to act by feeling. That Who drives the ship? Feelings. What's the authority in your life? For some of you, the authority will, will come. It's 2024. It's election season. I'm going to pound on this all year long. The authority in your life will be whatever Trump says. The authority in your life for some of you will be whatever Biden says. Whatever they say, that's what you're going to do, and that's how you're going to go. The political figures in our life dictate. And are the authority in your life. What's the authority in your life? I remember when I first heard this message, Josiah, I hadn't, I hadn't read my Bible. I didn't know this story. I hadn't heard about the child king. I hadn't heard about the teenager king. I hadn't heard about the 20-something king that is changing his world, that is changing his nation. I was like, I was inspired by this guy. But 
as a 20-something moving to Los Alamos, I'm 23 years old. This guy's 26. At 16, he's already doing some amazing things. At 20, he's already doing some amazing things. I'm in a, I'm in a place of despair because I'm not living for the Lord. I know God. I know his rules. I know his instructions, but I'm going to do what I want, what I want, where I want. And this preacher comes, and he just preaches a hard message to all the 20-somethings in the room. But it doesn't have to be 20-something. He just comes, and he just lays it out. He's like, some of y'all, y'all, you're living with people who you know God has not ordained. And I'm not talking about marriages. You're not married. You're living together. You're sleeping together. You know. You know in God's word. That ain't for you. He set that up for the confines of marriage. I don't care if you think it's old school or not. That's, it's clearly lined out. And so he lines that out. He's like, some of y'all, you're, you're, you're on websites you don't need to be at. You're drinking, you're doing drugs, you're doing all these things. You're, you're living the life trying to, to, to feed the, the God. What's the, what's the authority in your life? Hedonism, pleasure. If you follow culture, if it feels good, do it. If you follow culture, avoid pain at all costs. Please do not make yourself uncomfortable at any point in time. And, you, and we feed ourselves off of all these different authorities, off these, all these different idols that are not from God. And what has society got, what has culture gotten you? It doesn't take too long. You don't have to point fingers. You can just look at your, yourself. We're stressed. We're overwhelmed. Anxiety rules the day. We're depressed. Culture has fed us a lie that go after all these things, these idols have told you and fed you alive. You go after these things, oh, you're good. I want to I tell you, it's not easy, but God's got something better for you. What am I advocating here? I want you to, to get into God's word, but here's what I'm advocating. Just try to say this as simply as I can. I want you to have a simple, simply a genuine relationship with Jesus. I want you to come to church. I want you to serve. I want you to share your faith or whatever. But at the end of the day, what am I trying to advocate for? Simple discipleship. Get to know your Lord and Savior. We're not getting more, we're not getting more text. We're not getting more, more scripture. Like this is, this is what we got. This is all we're going to get. And it has everything you need to find that joy and that peace and everything you need in your life. But, but listen. I'm going to cook up a good meal for you as best I can every single week. I'm going to, I'm going to spend all week preparing the recipe and getting things ready and I'm going to, and I'm going to serve a meal. But I want you, I want you to, to, to get fed off that, but I want you to, 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 to learn how to feed yourself. I want you to not only learn how to feed yourself, I want you to learn how to feed other people. Like, sim- just simply getting to know our Lord. Simple, authentic call to following Jesus. When you get in here, it's going to be confusing. I read through Job this week, all right, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is kind of boring. I don't quite understand. You know, I'm not getting any words out of this. You know, God's not speaking to me anything. That's fine. But you know what I was doing? I spent 15 minutes every morning with Jesus. Some of you are like, I don't have 15 minutes in the morning. I don't even have five minutes. I don't even have time for this. Listen, you don't have time not to. Here's what I found. I found 15 minutes with the Lord in the morning, typically, gives me an extra hour each day. It slows the day down. 
If I just wake up and go run, 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 I am dead and I am exhausted at the end. If I slow down, for me at the beginning, this works for me, not for everybody. If I just spend 15 times with the Lord, that day now has purpose. And that day slows down a whole lot more. It's not about, I'm not looking at, hey, go spend an hour every day with God. Wake up at 4.30 in the morning. No, no, no. You just find time to spend with Jesus. Get in the word. Get in the word. If you need a place to start, start in John. I love that one. But you start anywhere. It really doesn't matter. It says in 2 Kings that he did this in obedience to the law written to the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found out in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart, all his soul, all his strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. Oh my gosh, did you know that was in scripture? This child king. I always talk about King David. Scripture's like, he was one of the best. Why? Because he got God's word and he cherished that thing. He was hungry for God's word. Hungry not only to hear it, hungry because this guy lived it out. He lived this thing out. Here's one challenge I want to do for you, all right? This is simple, and then I'm going to close this message out. I got two Bibles here. I want to challenge you in 2024, if you come to Freedom Church, bring your Bible, okay? And I'm guilty of this. I, this is just how I preach. I have my notes up here. I put all my scriptures on my notes because these words are tiny. I get nervous. I'm flipping around, and I don't want to spend 20 minutes extra flipping through the scripture, so I print them all out here. Well, I don't bring my Bible. Not all the time. It's usually sitting over there or whatever. I'm going to bring it with me, okay, so I can have it here just as a visual representation. I want you to bring your Bible here. Why? Because you can whip out a highlighter or a marker, and you can, you can sit there and you can write in this thing. You can scribble in it. You, you, you know, you're, God's not going to send lightning down if you write. You can take notes in it. And so I'll read through my Bible again, and just the little things that stand out, oh my gosh, God starts to speak to me in a new and different way. Now, I know some of you guys, you're also like me. I got my Bible on the phone. Fantastic. Do that. I don't care. Just bring a Bible. Let's get in the Word. We're coming to church. We're going to break this Word open every, every week. And so let's do that. Let's bring our Bibles. Now, I also know like a day like today, you're like, I, I brought my Bible, Mike. I can't see. It's too dark in here. I'm sorry. We'll get a flashlight or an LED light or something. Why is this so important? Hunger. I am feeding myself when I get into God's word. I get into God's word and it's like a little, a little seed gets planted in my heart. And then over time, that seed gets watered. And what's a seed supposed to do? It's supposed to grow. And what, what does that plant do once it grows? Eventually, it starts to, to produce fruit. The fruit, you don't see it at the root level. When you are at home building your roots, you're not going to see a whole lot of fruit. Not in the moment. But you know what I'm doing is creating a deep root system, an anchor that can weather the storms, that I have the truth that can anchor me through 
the, all the negatives and the lies and the mind games that we play. And God has so much for you. We spent eight weeks in Ephesians just telling you how much God loves you and, and all the blessings that you have in your life. You could just feast on Ephesians for this semester and all the good things he had. So when the storms come and the circumstances come, I'm not dictated by my feelings. They don't drive the ship. Sugar doesn't conquer me. I've taken 21 days off of sugar. I can do that because I don't have these idols that are going to own me. Scripture says, hey, anything, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So if there's something that's rocking your world tonight, if there's an idol that's, that's got, that gotten over you, take 21 days and fast from that thing and say, idol, you don't have me anymore. Maybe you need to do away with social media for 21 days. Say, social media, you don't owe me anymore. Whatever those things are, whatever those idols are, Josiah went after it and he got rid of them all. Jesus was not about a consumer Christianity. He would always raise the stakes when it came to this stuff. He had just fed 5,000 people in, in the book of John, and they wanted more. They were hungry. This guy miraculously makes food in, a, in an environment where we don't have grocery stores, in an environment where food is scarce. So let's follow this guy because he's going to keep providing. To which Jesus, in John chapter 6, raises the bar, and he, he gets a little gross here. Jesus said to them again, he's starting to make them angry. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, that's Jesus' nickname for himself, and drink his blood. Wow, he sounds like a cannibal here. You cannot have eternal life within you. Oh my gosh, Jesus is saying to eat him and drink his blood? What is he saying? These people are freaking out like you would if, if I said to do these things too. Like they're freaking out. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food. What are you hungry for? And my blood is true drink. What are you thirsting about? Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. And they're like, nope, no, not doing it. And it says, at this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They were following him. It was a consumer Christianity. And when Jesus raised the bar, they said, nope, I'm not doing that. Now, was he talking about physically, literally? No. And what I love is that the disciples, they hung around. The ones who really followed Jesus when they had questions, when Jesus, you get in scripture, like, I don't know. Some people are just like, ah, it's too confusing, and they walk away. Some people, ah, this is too confusing, and they lean in. The disciples were the one who would hang out after the crowd left and says, what are you talking about, man? That sounds crazy. And Jesus says to them, hey, are you also going to leave? You want to go too? Is this too much for you? Is this too much for you, getting into God's word? Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Is it too much for you to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend some time with my Lord and Savior. Is that too much for you? You want to go? Simon Peter replies, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. What's the authority in your life? These are the words to eternity right here. God, your heavenly Father who loves you says, hey, I, I got some good things for you. It's all in this book right here. It's all here for you. You can go search for it as much as you want out there. You can go do all the things, say all the things, rise to the top. 
and you'll always be empty. What you're craving, your soul weeps sometimes because it's starving. What you're craving is found right in here. This is God speaking directly to you today. Simple, authentic call to following Jesus. A friendship is what God wants. When I spend time with God, when I spend time with a friend, it's not like, hey, you know what? I think we spent about 11 minutes together. Better wrap this up, you know? It's time, no. I may not have an hour, but I'm not also, I'm not counting the minutes to say, well, 12 minutes, I'm done. A friendship, a relationship, spend time with God. The believers in Acts, this is my last verse, let's stand now and close. Bring this back to the ecclesia of the church, the first church back in Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When this first church started, and this is the church that we're trying to be, the first century church, they devoted themselves to this thing, God's word. They, they didn't have the Bible in their hands. Most of them were illiterate, so they de depended on, upon those who were eyewitnesses of Jesus, the apostles who were preaching, who now we have their eyewitness testimonies right in here. They devoted themselves to that. It says they also devoted themselves to the fellowship, the people, the koinonia. They also devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And when they did those things, and when they did those things, whoo, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved daily. This group of people devoted themselves, and they changed their communities. This group of people devoted themselves to God's word, and they changed their world. It happened before. I believe it can happen again. We live in a dark world. There's more chance for us to be a hope and a light, but you cannot do it not knowing your heavenly Father who's given you stuff. So my challenge for you today, simply follow Jesus. How do we follow him? Get in his word, get to know him, and then go do whatever he says. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.